Hi, and welcome to Shattering BS Beliefs. I'm your host, Amy Turner, the No BS Sweetheart. And in this show, what we're going to do is we are going to shatter those BS beliefs that were never yours. Did you know that babies are born with only two fears? The fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. So any of these BS beliefs that you have about yourself were completely created by you and you can uncreate them. So let's do it. Oh, and if you're lucky, sometimes I have a special co-host and he can be found in the background scratching, sniffing, whining, and if you're lucky, even barking. So see if you can hear him. Stay tuned. Hi, everyone. So it's been a minute since I've been on here. I was just looking on my podcast and it said I haven't done a training since April. So, or no, March, since March. So, um, but anyways, I'll get into that in a little bit. So this is a training for you to see how you unconsciously played roles in your family to keep the peace. Now, here's the thing. There's six different roles and five of them unknowingly, unconsciously kept the peace, but there's one that did not. So stay tuned. We're going to get into it. We're going to see if you were one of the ones that kept the peace or if you were the one that didn't keep the peace. And so I'm going to teach you these roles so you can see how they're still showing up as an adult because that's that's the real problems. If we don't realize that we're doing the roles in the first place, then they're showing up to us as adults. And so it's really important to to see this so we can just be aware of it and change it. So don't be surprised if you see yourself in more than one of these roles. You might you're you're at least going to see yourself in one, if not more than one. Um, but there will be one that clearly stands out for you. And if you, oh, this is going to be good. If you're someone who has some like weird feelings or distant feelings or avoidant feelings with anyone in your family, especially your siblings, I have a feeling this is going to answer some questions for you. Just, just so you see the reason why I haven't done any Facebook lives, any of these trainings, which as you can see, I absolutely love them. I haven't done them since what I say, March, April, April or March. I don't know, one of those. And it's because I did a summit, an online show, whatever you want to call it. I interviewed 26 people. It was super successful. People were so thankful for it. They learned so much. I had my clients tell me, oh my gosh, Amy, you just introduced me to so many other amazing tools and techniques out there that I can get better with, which is amazing. And it was a lot for me all at once. And it completely took me out. I didn't, I wasn't doing self-care. I was just go, 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 go. And so I've had like a really, really rough year and um, I haven't really been in my creativity. And just recently, I feel like I finally like stepped out of that. And now I'm like, oh, I have content to share again. So I'm not someone that wants to just share something just because I feel like I need to share it. It's more like, um, or not, not that I need to share it. I feel like, oh my gosh, I haven't, I haven't been consistent. People aren't going to watch me anymore. So I just need to come up with something to share. Like, no, I want it to be something that's actually going to impact you and influence you. And so that's what this is about. So that's a little bit of why I haven't been here. Let me jump in. So 
These roles, they started with addiction. So a lot of the material that you're, you'll find if you go and look up these roles is you're going to find that it starts with um, the, the roles show up in a family with addiction. However, as many other people have looked at the roles and how I've looked at the roles with my own clients, I mean, I've been doing and my own, my own personal story too. And I've been doing therapy for what, nine years now. And then I have been doing my own personal work for nine years too, that I'm seeing that these roles don't just show up with addictions. They show up with many, many other things. So the first one is dun, 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 the hero. So this role is the hero child. So this is, so if you were the hero child, you were the good one. You were the favorite of the family. You were the one who couldn't do anything wrong and you projected the good image of the family. So this is um, kind of like the perfectionist and the overachievers. And this is the one that if it is a dysfunctional family, this is the one that's in the spotlight because this is the one that, hey, our family is not messed up. Look at this golden child. Look at this hero child. And so that that's kind of how it shows up as you are a child. And now as an adult, how it can be showing up if you weren't aware that you were the hero child or you haven't really like looked at it, then how it could be showing up is that you hold people at arm's length. So that's one way to do it. And it's, it's kind of like that, oh, if people really knew me, they wouldn't like me. They wouldn't love me, right? Because they see that I'm not this perfect child. I'm not this golden boy or girl. I'm not this hero. And this person can be someone who is a perfectionist, who has really, really high expectations on themselves and does not celebrate, does not stop, stop and celebrate their accomplishments. It's like, okay, what can I do next? What can I do next? What can I do next? And this person can be the workaholic as well. So it's just this constant go, go, go. Like I have to live up to the family expectations that I'm the golden child, I'm the hero. Um, this was the role I played in my child. I was the favorite, I was a good one, I couldn't do anything wrong. But how it shows up too for me is actually, I don't like to be responsible. <laughs> because it was almost like I kind of got away with everything and now as an adult, I'm like, oh, I have to do this? Okay, so that's kind of how it shows up with me. Um, so what I like to do too is share with you how how I played that role or, well, yeah, how I played that role and then any clients that I've had that have played that role so we can give you a little bit more information and see if this is something that you resonate with. So I had a male client that was struggling at work. He couldn't get anything completely done because he was a perfectionist, right? The, the hero. And so when we did our session, he realized that he had these really high expectations. He needed to prove to his dad that he was good enough, that he was worthy. And, um, and so he was super anxious all the time. He was a super perfectionist and super anxious. And because he was working with me, he learned how to relax and to take on that done is better than perfect role. So... So that was really, really fun for him to see is that he was just overwhelming himself, just overachieving 
And the thing is with perfectionists is, sorry, my dog. Uh, the thing is with perfectionists is that you're, you're an overachiever, but it's like you never let yourself actually celebrate, never let yourself actually feel, oh my gosh, someone's intently trying to get in right now. I'm, I'm on a Facebook live, sorry. Okay, so the next one is, the next role is the rescuer. So here's the thing, if you go look into the, if you go look at these different roles and see how people have written articles and stuff, you're not gonna find this one. This is some, oh my gosh, this person is super not leaving me alone. Um, okay, uh, I don't know, should I go or should I stay? <laughs> okay, anyways, I'm just gonna pretend I'm not home. So anyways, so the rescuer, this is someone who is, um, so this is something I added in. This is something that I've seen with my clients and that I've added in. And so, so the rescuer is someone that is the responsible one. They're the one that took over for the family. They're the one that for whatever reason, their parents weren't able to parent their other siblings. It's usually the firstborn, doesn't always have to be, but it usually is, and it's the one who is taking responsibility for the family. Can be for the siblings, and it can be for their parents as well. And just making sure that everyone is okay, and they're completely parentified, they don't really get much of a childhood, there isn't a lot of fun in their life, and they are the ones that are learn like learn how to be codependent because they are the rescuer. And so, Elia, I've pretended I'm not home at times to rescuer in the house. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Me too. I was the rescuer as well. Um, I'm sure you guys know I'm a therapist, so I'm a professional rec rec uh, rescuer, right? So, here's the thing: is that's kind of how it showed up as um, in your childhood. And for me, I wasn't really the response. I was responsible for everyone's feelings. I wasn't taking care of anyone. So I did kind of both those roles. But for this one, what I'm talking about is like the extreme rescuer is that plain parent, that parentified, not having a childhood, not getting to have fun. You're the one taking care of everyone else's needs. And so if you haven't done any kind of awareness on this or any kind of work on this, then how it shows up is you're still busy taking care of everyone else. You can be a people pleaser. And because of all of the people pleasing and putting everyone else in front of you, everyone else's needs in front of you, that you are feeling, you can feel resentment because you're not taking care of you. You're not having self-care. You're putting everyone else in front of you. You can feel guilty when you say no. And, and feel guilty when it's time for you to, hey, I want to be responsible. I want to do something for me. You can feel guilty about that. And so you're someone that looks for approval too, because you didn't get it. You had to be responsible for the whole family, but who was paying attention to you? Who was responsible for you? And so as an adult, you can be someone who is looking for that approval and you're probably someone who doesn't have a lot of fun and joy or as much fun and joy in your life as you want to because you're so busy taking care of everyone else and making sure everyone else is having fun and joy in their life. I recently worked with a woman who she wanted to have a session because she wanted to get her creativity back. And what we found out in the session is that she took care of her mom. Her mom was a drunk. She was unpredictable. She was childlike. 
And so this client was, was the strong one. And so, and then it turns out that she ended up getting married to someone who she took care of. She planned everything for, she was the responsible one and wasn't happy at all. And once she understood, oh my gosh, I married my mom. It's true, you guys, psychology, I know, they say that you marry your mom and dad. It's absolutely true. If you haven't done any work on yourself, you're going to marry your mom and your dad. Just bring, honestly, get on a phone call with me and tell me how you're not. And, <laughs> and if, unless you've done work on yourself, then that makes sense. But we do. And that's what she realized. Oh my gosh, I married my mom. So she's not married to him anymore. Right now she's in Europe following her passion, going to art school, being in her creativity again. So and that was only one session. So that's the thing. It's like once you are aware of this, you can change it. It's just you can't change anything until you're aware of it. Um, and then another thing, another woman, she came to me with high anxiety, she had panic attacks. She'd wake up with anxiety every single day. And in the session, we found out that she was the one responsible. I think she had like eight or nine siblings and she was the oldest. And so she had to take care of all of them. And so now she's a mom and she was having the same thing where she was taking responsibility for all of her children. And so I worked with her to, to set boundaries and teach them how to be responsible. Now she's not anxious anymore. So that's the thing. As soon as you're aware, things can change. Okay. So the next one is the lost child. So this one is the child who is, is very withdrawn. This is the child that shuts down all of their feelings. They're not angry. They're not sad. They're, they're super, super sensitive, but they shut down their feelings and they're quiet. They could be seen as a loner. They're the child that will go play alone in their room, go read alone, just not really be engaged. Um, they don't have any opinions at all. They blend in, they're a dreamer, they're withdrawn from, from reality because a lot of times what's happening is whatever toxicity, whatever dysfunction is going on in the family, that person is, is just like kind of disconnected and withdrawn and creating their own fantasy in, in their mind. They don't feel important whatsoever. And, and they dim their light. And actually most of these roles are kind of the roles that dim their light because, but this one really, really big because this one shuts down. So the lost child, if you're resonating with the lost child, the lost child, I can't talk, the lost child shuts down all of those emotions and completely withdraws. So I, I was definitely the lost child. I definitely played alone. I was withdrawn. I mean, my therapist told me over and over, Amy, you're living in a fantasy world which is really good for law of attraction, which I realized, but it's good to be balanced with fantasy with law of attraction and actual reality of what's happening. So then you're actually filling your feelings because law of attraction is all about filling your feelings. So I was doing law of attraction, but not filling the feelings and that's why it didn't work. But the point is, is so I was, I was that, that lost child that's completely withdrew, was in that fantasy, um, didn't feel important at all. Except for it's kind of weird because that's what I'm saying. You guys might see yourself in different roles because I was still the golden and the hero child too. So there were times I was important, but I also felt like the lost child. So that's why you can be filling these different roles. And okay, so if you are still playing that lost child role in adulthood, then you don't know who you are. You don't, you're, you're constantly wondering 
who you are, what do you like, except for the, the things that you do on your own, you know about that. But you, you could be someone who is socially anxious, you have trouble in relationships, so you can, you can push people away because people are going to bring out those emotions. People are going to, we're going to have conversations with people that bring out bad emotions. And if you haven't dealt with emotions, then it's just so much easier to push, push people away, ignore problems. Cause you got really good at ignoring problems when you were a kid. And so that's what you do as an adult. Um, you could, you could also be someone who is a people pleaser as well because you, you don't want to look at any problems. You want to be in your fantasy. And so you just want to make everyone happy so you can feel good and not have to worry about what's happening out there. Um, someone who doesn't have much of a voice, who doesn't speak their truth, no opinions, doesn't like feels completely powerless. So that is how, if you're feeling any of those things, you might still be acting out in that lost child way. I worked with a woman just recently who actually, she wanted to have a session with me because she wanted to find out what her purpose was. She didn't know what her purpose was. And she had a session with someone earlier that did a similar method as me and didn't get anything from it. And then she found me, she liked the no BS and we got on the phone and she was saying, yeah, I really want to find out my purpose is. And as we're talking on the phone, I was like, you don't, you don't need to know what your purpose is. You're lonely. Like that's what's going on. You can't find out your purpose until you're not lonely anymore. And so then we did a full session on that where she never felt lovable. Her parents completely ignored her. And in the session, she realized that she was feeling not good enough, that she didn't believe in herself. And she realized that she was pushing people away by not wanting to deal with the emotions. And so within a week, she was happy. She had more energy, more joy. And so that's the thing. When you do find, when you do have this awareness of that's the role that you're playing, you can change it. You can change it immediately as soon as you see that awareness. And that's the thing. That's why it's so convoluted. So you might not see yourself in just one of these roles. You can say, oh, I played this and I played this because we can switch too. And if people in our family, and now I'm going off, but if people in our family move out, like different siblings or things happen, then other people take on different roles. It's really, really interesting. I love teaching this stuff because it's so interesting and everyone's story is different, but you can still see how you fit in and how that could be stopping you from what you want. And if any of this is resonating for you, stay tuned because I have a super special only this week. It was something I decided to do a little birthday special. So it's for you to be able to work with me one-on-one -on -one, either for one session or a month at a super, super discounted price only, only this week. So stay tuned. Okay. So let's move on. The next one. Now this is one that you won't find. If you go do the search for dysfunctional family roles, you won't find this one, but this one is the sick child. So this is a child and not everyone has this in their family. Just some people do. And some of you might be like, oh yeah, I was a sick one or my sibling was the sick one or my mom and dad were the sick one. And so this is someone who their sickness can get attention. So if they're feeling like they're not getting attention, they're not being seen, then they can create some kind of, their body can create some kind of sickness to give them more attention or, um, this is someone that can carry the family shame as well 
as if it's if if you were someone that was sick and were shamed for it, then you could be carrying the family shame. Um, or you could be someone that was sick and was given a lot of attention. So there's kind of those two different ways to look at it. Another really interesting way that the sick child plays a really big role in the family is if there is abuse, uh, verbal, physical, whatever kind of abuse is going on in the family, if there's like loud arguments, the sick child could be the one that stops the abuse in the family, that stops the arguments because all of the attention is now on the sick person. So the sick person is almost taking care of the family toxicity because this this child is sick, therefore we're not gonna fight about stupid stuff anymore and all the attention gets put on the sick child. So the sick child could be unconsciously sick because they are stopping the toxicity happening, the dysfunction happening in the family. So if, if you're an adult and you're still a sick one, what it could look like is that your sickness can be worse um, the same sickness you had in childhood can just be getting worse and worse and all the doctors you see and they don't know what it is. Um, or you can have other illnesses that show up. And you could be someone that's kind of like you get a small scratch and you think, oh my gosh, it's the end of the world. I have to go to the ER, or have to go to the doctor. Um, and and just kind of just just think the worst. And so one one example of this is I had a young woman find me. It was probably a couple of years ago. And she wanted confidence in dating. She was a very beautiful woman. And as we were doing the session, she, oh, before we did the session, she was telling me that she's been diagnosed with fibromyalgia. And for those of you who know about fibromyalgia, it always gets diagnosed as something different and different and different. And every doctor you see, it's just all kind of just all kind of misdiagnosed until finally it's like, okay, we don't know what it is. This is, this is my understanding of it. If a doctor is on here, you can tell me different. But we don't know what it is, so it's kind of like we, okay, it's fibromyalgia if we can't quite like pinpoint what it is. And so, and she was young and she had fibromyalgia at a very young age. And we didn't work on the fibromyalgia though. She said she was doing, she was working with a health doctor and different things. So we didn't work on that. She wanted to work on her confidence with dating. And what was very interesting is what we learned in the session is that I think one of the scenes we went back to, it was her parents arguing and her feeling super anxious and feeling like it's her fault and feeling like she's she's the problem. She had to stop it, but she couldn't do it. So then she felt like held held tight, held back. And then another scene, it was her getting sick and her parents not arguing. And now her parents coming to her and giving her attention. And so her sickness is what I was explaining earlier is her or illness, her whatever fibromyalgia it was, it ended up getting the parents to stop arguing and pay attention to her and take her to a bunch of different doctors. So that's, um, oh yeah, so then after our session, she moved to Australia and started dating again and felt super confident to talk with men because that was her problem is she didn't feel confident. So um, yeah, so that was that was super fun. Oh, the other thing too, if you have a sibling that was the sick child, then you could feel like you didn't get any attention. Like you're, and, and you can feel really, really guilty too because you, you know that your sibling was sick and needed all the attention that they got. And then you feel guilty that you're upset that you didn't get attention. So a sick child in a family can help the family, but it can also make the other siblings 
have more emotions about it, be more triggered by it, be um, more, more feeling bad about themselves that they're not getting the attention and feeling guilty that they're not getting the attention. Okay, and so the next one, this one is the clown and the mascot. And so this one is, I think we've all heard of that, like whether, whether you were the clown, the class clown, you know, you always had that in your class with you. And this is someone that is always deflecting with humor. Like as a little kid, this, per, this kid was using humor, kind of being the mascot, being the one that deflects any emotions, just uses humor to get people to pay attention and to, to get people out of some difficult, uncomfortable situations. And, and so this person feels powerless and then realize that they have power when they use humor and they realize that how much power they have because they can deflect that uncomfortable situation. And uh, the center of attention just wants to make people feel good about them because they, they also, like the lost child, they also can't handle emotion except for like happy fun emotion. And, and so now if, if you're an adult and you were the class clown, that mascot, you can avoid responsibility and you can be in like really deep pain and sadness because you, you're a really like deep person, but you're not allowed to be deep. You weren't, you couldn't. And, and so you've deflected your true feelings because you the only way to really get attention and to deflect situations is to be the class clown is to make everyone laugh to deflect the situation and so you help the family by if there was abuse or there was fights or different things and you come in and and be the humor one be be that person and then that can help the family so much because then it, it deflects the situation. And um, also a loss of identity too, because you grow up thinking that, oh, I'm, I'm the funny one. That's all, that's all I'm good for. I'm, I'm the funny one. When deep down inside, you have a lot of depth to you, but you've just played this role for so long. So recently I worked with this male and he never felt safe growing up. It was not a safe situation for him at all. He I mean, he said it so, so sweetly. It's like he's never felt at home. He doesn't know what home is. And just filled with so much fear from growing up that he had to become this super positive and funny person because at least that's how he can get some love and attention and not have to be filled with fear all the time. That would kind of loosen, loosen those feelings. And now because of working with me so now he's really following his intuition and if he goes into a situation and it it doesn't make him him feel safe then he leaves then he's not he's not having to put on that shiny face and not having to be super mr positive and crack jokes instead if it doesn't feel safe for him then he can leave and that's and that's okay because that's the main thing for him is to feel safe because actually his true humor and his true deafness shows up when he is safe and he doesn't have to put on that mask of that comedy show. Let me see what you wrote. 
Shandy, my sibling has attempted suicide three times. Wow. But in ways that we all knew would not be successful. Okay. Still, she did it and everyone met at her feet and everyone acted like family meant everything for a while until the next trauma came up. Yeah. Yeah. So your sibling is, is like so painfully looking for someone to pay attention to her. I think you said it was a her. Yeah, she. So yeah, which it's just like, oh my gosh, how much pain is she going through that she has to attempt suicide? You know, it's that like superficial attempt, but it's like that, please like pay attention to me. And the thing is, is it's like, if we truly felt seen and heard as little kids and accepted for who we are, then we wouldn't be playing these roles. We'd be able to fill all of our anger and sadness and all of and our happiness and all of these different emotions that we wouldn't have to be have to be playing these roles. So thank you for sharing that. Luna says my sister was the clown. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah. So you're seeing it. So if it's not you, then you're gonna see it in your in your in your family. You're gonna see it in your siblings. You're gonna see it in your mom or dad. You can see it in your grandma or grandpa. And it's whoever you really grew up with. We play these roles if we're in a dysfunctional family. Okay, so the next one, so this one, so those five, those five were the ones that are constantly trying to keep the peace. They're trying to keep the peace in the family. They're doing everything that they possibly can to keep the peace, whether it's withdrawing, whether it's being funny, whether it's taking responsibility. So whatever that is, that's keeping the peace. And now this last one, this last role is called, everyone knows it as the black sheep, and in therapy, we call it the scapegoat. So the scapegoat and the black sheep role. So this is the problem child. This is the child that everyone in the family does okay, but this one's the problem. If only Timothy did this, then the family wouldn't be suffering or whatever that is. So um, in therapy terms, the what we call the identified patient. So that's the person that the parents are bringing this person to therapy and to the hospitals and saying, fix him or fix her. And that's kind of the identified patient. But this is the one, this role, if you played the scapegoat or the black sheep in your family, you are the most aware. And unconscious, okay, I'm going to go here unconsciously the family knows it because you're calling out you're calling out the bs in the family you see the secrets you see the lies you see the manipulation and you're calling it out and the family consciously or unconsciously knows that and then they make you the problem to kind of like bring you down and keep the family going in the way that it needs to be going hopefully that made sense it kind of just came through to share but so the, this, the scapegoat, the black sheep, it's the problem family, problem child. It's the one that the other neighbors or friends or the family would say, oh, if, if only this person, if only this child, if only Timothy would have acted different, then it looked better on the family. So the thing is, is it's like everyone, every single person in the world has shame, right? That's just a human thing. And if we're not able to be aware of it, if we're not willing to look at it, then unconsciously we put it on someone in the family. And that is the black sheep, almost every single dysfunction. I'm, I think I'm gonna go on a limb and say 
almost every single dysfunctional family has a scapegoat or a black sheep. I could be wrong. I'm, I could be wrong. But from all of the clients that I've worked with, from my own story, from stories that I've heard over and over from books I've read, I really feel like everyone has that black sheep of the family. And it could also be someone that one minute you're the golden child and next year the black sheep. It doesn't have to be the role the whole time. It can be switching back and forth. And um, let me see if there's anything else I didn't say. Oh, and so so for the black sheep person is if if you would rather have unpleasant attention than no attention at all. So it feels awful to be ignored, like that lost child, right? It feels completely awful to be ignored. So you'd rather cause chaos, cause drama to at least get some attention than to be completely ignored. Um, so that's why a lot of times people would say like kids are acting out and they're like the black sheep. And it's like, well, yeah, because <laughs> they're calling they're calling the family out on what's going on. And they don't want to be completely ignored. So at least they're getting some attention, some survival with that attention. And usually this is someone that is the first one to leave the family. So how, whatever age it is, they're the one that's, I'm out. I'm out. I'm done. And they could be someone that never talks to their family again or gets shunned from the family. And so this, um, so if you are still at the black sheep as an adult, then you could be someone who's very practical, very solution oriented. Uh, you don't like a lot of authority. You don't like being told what to do. And you probably think you're a menace to society. You think that you are the problem. You think there's something wrong with you. And I love working with people who, who identify as the black sheep because Actually, you are the most conscious one in your whole entire family. You called it out. You saw it. So it, it's fun for me because when people get that realization, then they don't think they're the problem anymore. And they don't think something is wrong with them anymore because they realize like, no, actually, I, I um, not that there's anything wrong with anyone else, but actually... I'm not the problem. I was calling out the problem. And because you didn't want to look at the problem, you made me the problem. That's what the black sheep is all about. Um, oh, lots of comments. Okay. Cinnamon. I grew up to be the black sheep. I'm the problem child now. Exactly. Exactly. So I'd like to hear from you, Cinnamon, how you like, were you the one that was the most aware? Were you the one that whether you called it out or not, you saw it and you're like, this looks weird. What, it, what is my family doing? This, this doesn't feel right. Like, were, were you the one that did that? Because that's the thing, the black sheep was the most aware. And I'll tell you right now, I was not the black sheep. I was not the most aware. I was in my own fantasy. I was the lost child. I was the golden child. I was following all of my family rules, thinking we were perfect. And my sister was the black sheep. And we, like, we all thought she was crazy. And now I realize, no, she was the one who would call us out. She was the one who understood. So I love the black sheep. And it's not because I'm the black sheep. I'm not the black sheep at all. <laughs> but I love it because it's so fun for me to, to see that I'm not the problem. I'm not the menace to society. I'm actually the most aware, the most conscious one there. Okay, so went on my little tangent. <laughs> Shandy, I feel like I'm the black sheep and my family pushes away from me 
They say that my little family is too perfect or too good to be involved with the family and then explain it to the outsiders as I am flawed, not the family. Exactly. You're exactly the black sheep. That's like hands down exactly what it is. And then because you have a good family and they see it, then they have to belittle you and make you the problem again. That's exactly, exactly it. Um, and then you wrote, but I don't want, but I don't fight for the attention. Maybe I missed my spot prior to hopping on. Yeah. Yeah. And, and not everything I'm sh sharing is um, exactly what black sheeps do. These are just different ways that it looks. So you, but, but here's the thing too, as a child, no matter what, we always want the love and attention from our parents and acceptance from our parents. And so we are fighting for that. It just looks different. So you could have done that as a child, as that black, like before you became that black sheep, you could have fought for that. And then when you just became the problem, then, then that's almost when the black sheep arises. Like, okay, fine. There's nothing I can do. So I'm just going to be shunned and I'm just going to be the problem one. So the thing is, is you don't, you're not born as the black sheep. I mean, you're not born of any of these roles. These roles get instilled with you about what's going on and how you, how you are showing up in the family. I mean, if you're, if you're scared, no, no way are you going to, if you're, if you're scared and like, oh, I better comply with what the family's doing, no way are you going to be a black sheep. But if you're someone that sees it and you're like, what's going on? That's how you can eventually turn into that black sheep. Um, Luna, that's me. Absolutely. I have to be the bad guy or else my mom is just a shitty person and she'll never accept that. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly it. So if our parents, when we were growing up, weren't able to take responsibility, then they have to make us the problem. If they're not able to see how they messed up, what their responsibility is in being your parent, then they make it your fault. And that's that's exactly what's going on, Luna. Cinnamon, you so helped me realize that I wasn't the problem. Yay! I'm so happy. See, I love it. It's like one of my favorite, favorite, I think it's probably my absolute favorite thing to do is have people see that you're not the problem. All, all the roles, all the roles, but especially the black sheet because you wear it like you are the problem because why wouldn't you when everyone in your family is telling you over and over again that you are the problem? It's hard to not wear that anymore. So it's so fun when people don't think they're the problem anymore. Cinnamon, I was the same as you. Sister was the black sheep, but now it's reverse. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And that can happen too is once, oh, this is fun. So once the black sheep leaves the family and is completely shunned and not talking, then someone else has to be the black sheep, right? Because if they, or, or they could still be saying that person's problem and never talk to them again. But what could happen is you could, they could switch roles to another member of the family. So, and that's exactly what happened with you, Cinnamon. Shandy. Okay. Yes, that is 100%. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So I'm so glad you guys are, are getting this. This makes sense. Um, oh, so, I mean, I pretty much told you how, how this works with, um, how this works with people in the black sheet, but I will say I've worked with many clients that most of my clients are in that like people pleaser or the black sheep role. And um, I had a client who was ostracized from her family. She doesn't talk to anyone and she worked with me for two months and she really thought she was the problem. She really felt like she did something wrong in her family. If only she could go back and do things differently. 
And just like you, Cinnamon, she was able to see that that's not true and that she's not the problem, that she was actually the most aware one out of all of them. And um, I have another client that, oh, I love this. I have another client that I've worked with, right, I'm working with, just finished working with. And oh my gosh. So she came from an abusive family. She was in so much pain. She ended up having abusive relationships. She never really learned how to stand up for herself. We worked together for two months. Oh my gosh, you guys, I have never heard anyone stand up for themselves more in my life than what this woman did. And so I'm not going to go into detail, but she hired someone and this person was unethical with her. And she called this person out in the most professional, respecting way ever to where this per this person had to like respect her and actually... This person couldn't exactly apologize, but this person did, it was almost like the tables got turned and she was the one that demanded respect and this person had to give it to her. And it was the most amazing thing I've ever heard in my life. I was just like, my body had chills. My mouth was open, just listening to it. So that's the thing is it's like when you have this awareness, when you understand like how to how to respect yourself when you understand that you're not the problem. Like that's the big thing. You're not the problem. And when someone does you wrong for you to be able to stand up for yourself and to do it as a professional and to, to demand that respect, it's the most amazing, amazing feeling. And I know that she would tell you that. So let me see what, um, Oh, okay. Susan's disagreeing. Let me think. Um, I have to respect respectfully disagree on not being born a certain way. Oh, okay. My sister was born the sick one and is continuing to this day. Oh, good point. Good point. Yes. So, yeah. So you could, yeah, exactly. So when it comes to the sick one, yes, the sick one could be born with the illness right away. Let me make sure my sister was born and it's continuing it to this day. Yeah. So she, yeah. So your sister was, um, was born with the illness and continues on because that role got played over and over again. So yeah, Susan, thank you for that clarification. That's very true you could be born as a sick one. The other roles, those are things that are that are brought on to you in your family of origin. So that's the thing is a scapegoat is the one that is not unconscious. The scapegoat is the one that is conscious and calling it out. And because people don't like it, that's why you feel like you're the problem. So if you see yourself as an adult still acting out these issues, as you can see by what people were sharing in the comments, as you can see by the clients that I've worked with, that you can, you can work, like you can change this. This is, you can easily change this. And if you're ready to finally have fun in your life, if you're ready to be joyful, to trust yourself, to stand up for yourself, like that woman that I just shared about, to know that it's not your fault, that you're not the problem, and that you truly are the creator of your life and you don't have to carry these roles with you. That this week I have a deeply, deeply discounted one-on-one -on -one sessions with me, either just that one session or a month session. I haven't done anything this big since Black Friday and because it was my birthday, I don't know, a week, a week ago, I decided I wanted to do something but I didn't have anything come through and then last night, this is what I came up with and it feels really good. And I'm only going to have 10 spots because it's a lot. It's a one-on-one. -on -one, so it's all of my time. 
But like I shared, I just love being able to help people see that you're not the problem, that this was a role you had to play, that this isn't who you truly are, that you deserve to be seen and heard and accepted for exactly as you are. So if you, if you want, if you're interested in this, just comment, let me know, send me a message, um, amy at nobstherapy.com. You can find me on Facebook. If you're, yeah, just whatever, just let me know and I'll tell you the details. And if you've been it, this is my favorite part. I love, love, love giving back to my previous clients. I know for me, when I've worked with people and, and they don't really look at the people who have invested with them in the past and just treat everyone the same, I don't like that. So I like to make sure that people who have invested with me, who have been my clients, that you guys get an even more discount. So if you're feeling called to do another session, then you get a discount this week only and message me if you're curious. So Oh, happy belated birthday. Thank you. So yeah, so let me know in the comments if this is resonating for you, what insights you got, if you have any questions, if you want to respectfully disagree like Susan did, which I love. Thank you. That's the thing. I'm no BS, right? So you can you can call me out too if, you, if I say something wrong because you're absolutely right. I did say that wrong. I needed this. Growing up, I was independent and made my own way despite my family. My siblings instead took the excuse route and now get all of my parents' attention. Now I'm, a st now I'm starting grad school and don't have my dad's support like I feel I should. Instead, my siblings have all of his attention and it's frustrating. I was called selfish by them because needing support for college wasn't as important as their needs. Exactly. I mean, that's, that's that sucks that you're going through it. But that's exactly what the black sheep is. It's like the your your family knows, whether consciously or unconsciously, they know that you see through it. That's the thing, Shandy. That's why you're also that's why you're also doing social work and being a teacher. Like you see through it. And that's and that's what they know. So they have to continue treating you like that because if they don't, then they have to take responsibility and they have to do their own therapy. So let me ask you this. Have any of have your parents ever been willing to take responsibility and do any therapy? I highly, highly doubt it. And if they weren't going to make you be the black sheep anymore, then they'd have to look at themselves or they'd have to make someone else in the family the black sheep. And the thing is, they're not conspiring. This, this is not in their head thinking about, like, how do we do this? That's just how they've learned to keep the family the family. And they don't know that they're doing this. This is mostly unconscious. Yeah, never. Exactly. Exactly. Never done it. So that's the thing. And, and you know this. It's just... So what I will say for you is it's like, you don't need them. You don't need them. You grew up, you're doing your own thing. You're a mom, you have a wonderful family, you have wonderful friends, you have a wonderful support system. You don't need them. So just, who cares what they think? Because what they think is keeping their family running the way that they want, but that's not, that's not what you want. So that, that's what I would say to Shandy is you don't need them. Who cares what they think? Cause they're, they're not willing to do their own work. You're the one that's willing to do your own work. So just know that. Hope you enjoyed your birthday. Yeah, I did. I did. Thank you. Thanks everyone. Thank you. Shandy, thank you so much. You are always so helpful for me. You're welcome. I'm so glad it's cause I've done my own work. It's, and, and you're a therapist too, or I mean you are, but I know you're switching over. But the thing is, is we can only take our clients as far as we're willing to go ourselves. 
So I've done a ton of work on myself. That's why I'm able to get it and to see it. So have a great rest of your day. Again, if you're on the replay or if you have questions later, reach out. If you're interested in having one of these deeply discounted sessions this week only, 10 spots, let me know. I will see you later. Bye. Thank you so much for listening today. And I hope that you were able to shatter some of those BS beliefs. Please share this podcast with anyone that you think it will resonate with and leave me a comment or send me a voice message so I can have a Q&A with your questions. And if for some reason you still have those pesky BS beliefs, go to nobstherapy.com and send me a message. I love helping people get to the root cause of their BS beliefs so you no longer have to have them anymore. And you can go on being the empowering person with the amazing life that you were meant to have. See you next time.